Hi guys, we're back after a long summer break and fingers crossed this season's going to be a lot better on the pitch and on the podcast. To start that, we've got in our very first special guest, so with me, Gareth Hanna, this week, as always, our Adam McAndrew. Hey guys. And Jonathan Bradley. Did you join me? You've well, been away so long, you actually forgot my name. That's now. also customary for the start of the podcast, that I forget one of your names. How's it going? I'm going to Adam, I'd okay this week. Hey, hello, how's it going? And our special guest this week is Shane Todd. Hey, didn't you? Oh, hello everyone. And I'm Graham. Thanks, thanks for uh, you know agreeing to my demands. Of I said agreeing to my demands. Yeah, As for American horror films, you've definitely given me fruit pastels. <laughs> and uh, Tesco's own brand of fruit pastels. No also, looks. can I can I just raise this before we sort of get into the you know the rugby chat? Um, whenever you said there's not a space for me in the staff car park, and I was going to have to go and visitors, they nearly didn't arrive today. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very lucky that yeah, you do. Well, yeah. you can blame the voice downstairs for that, who actually do listen to the podcast, so you can voice your concerns. Had you given my name right before now. you told them who it was? He just shrugged. I mean, I've worked here for four years and they still don't let me park here. So. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fairness, asking, did I give you... Did I give him your name? I should maybe have said Mike McGoldrick because Adam was telling us until very recently he thought that was your name. Yeah. That's that's fine. Like I, I, <laughs> yeah. People not are until, always not. disappointed when they... I was at a Kanye West gig a couple of years ago in Dublin, and this girl must have been from up the north here somewhere. She just came up to me, she was obviously a bit drunk, and she was like, uh, one of my friends says you're not really Mike McGoldrick, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not. And she, <laughs> and she went, that really disappoints me, and just walked away. Um, I was like apologising to her, she left. But, uh, you can change. Like, yeah. My byline went in as Jonathan Bradbury once, about four years ago, and they still just call me Jonathan Bradbury in places. That does sound much gooder than your actual name, apparently. It's, it's a far more old-timey journalist name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. John, Jonathan Bradbury would get scoops. Get yeah. Bradbury on the case. He's <laughs> yeah. a maverick Bradbury. Jonathan Bradbury, Belfast Telegraph. <laughs> but, he gets, but he gets results. He does. So how are you feeling about coming to the Ulster Rugby podcast? Yeah, I'm buzzing. I am buzzing. I am buzzing on the way here. I sort of realised... I actually don't know much about rugby. Uh-huh. And then I sort of think, then people might think, oh, he's being funny, pretending he doesn't know who mm-hmm. certain players are, but but, uh, but it might be true in some cases. But no, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's all right. You've got about the same knowledge as Gareth has. So yeah, I had, to show, how, definitely more I had to show him how to set up the microphone. So, you know, good start. <laughs> yeah, he said on the podcast. <laughs> um, well, today we'll take you through all the Ulster rugby news that we've missed over the summer. And we'll look ahead to the brand new season with the opening friendly against Gloucester. It's on Saturday. Um, and there'll uh, probably not be much... Um, had a long time at the end of that because the players are keen to get away to the front and fight along with all the fans except for you Jonathan because you have reports to write sorry what about me going on there oh, you'll also <laughs> you'll probably go on the Giants game or some golf <laughs> just, just let Bradbury write the match reports that's you know, true it's what the people want mm. <laughs> well, give me Saturday want. night off I'll take it he sees more well read than I am <laughs> so the summer then it was big summer for us Johnny we got married well not to each other congratulations guys <laughs> congratulations guys 2018 about time yeah like yeah all, all according to plan all back to normal now so uh, good getting married it's a bit of a nightmare mm-hmm. I absolutely hated the last month of Do you know what? You said beforehand of the best thing about being married was that you don't have to plan a wedding anymore. Absolutely true. The truest piece of advice I was given in the build-up to the wedding. Sorry guys, can we just be aware that I'm getting married in December? (laughs) (laughs) You're discussing this and you come back from Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Meeting up 30 years later. Yeah. (laughs) Ken Burns is making a documentary. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is absolutely what it's what it's like. Um, Shane, yeah, tell us. Great January though, so uh, great. Got that to look forward to. Great. Yeah, I that's mean, there's great. Christmas couple of days after the wedding, so at least that'll be good. Uh, yeah, I should, I should probably good. throw in my congratulations at this point, given I've remained rather quiet so far. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Shane, tell us a wee bit about yourself then, for the people who uh, listen who may not be familiar with. Behave yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a stand up mainly, stand up comedian. Um, I do a podcast, do some sketches online. It's a plug. plug the plug. Shane it podcast. is called the Shane Podcast, available on SoundCloud. And There's been more of that later on. Leave me a nice review, not like the guy last week, who said it was very difficult to get through. It was a one-hour podcast, <laughs> mate, just you can stop at any time. Stop at any time. You don't need to listen for the whole hour if you're struggling to get through it. No one's making you do that. Um, but yeah, I think it just rhymes up as a comedian, as a stand-up, because that is literally what I do. I don't know why um, I said that, but... Yeah, I'm very into sport as well. Good, which is very handy for it today. Is. Tell yeah. us a little bit about your, your sporting background. Mm. I played some uh, rugby in school, since this rugby podcast. Mm. Hey, my rugby career went to Campbell. Um, oh, did you play in the first team? No, I played for the Seas. Absolutely, played like the all, the best, all the best players. Um, I played hockey for our C team, which is definitely worse than a rugby C team. Especially when it's like Campbell, because you know Campbell's uh, stars are... Better than yeah, better than everybody else at first. I understand what you're saying. I went to Banbridge Academy, the best hockey school in Ireland. So, I played hockey for about two years in school and had like Ulster trials. And then after I stopped playing hockey, I remember saying my dad once after a hockey game, and I was like, I don't think I ever touched the ball <laughs> playing hockey, but I must just run about quite well because <laughs> I was always in the team. But I, I don't think I ever touched uh, a hockey ball. But yeah, I played rugby, played for the Seas in Campbell. Didn't really know the rules. Of rugby at any point, um, but you know, just always gave it my best shot. And, <laughs> what position uh, you play? I play? What position do you think I played? Win, absolutely win. I was going to say somewhere in the backs. Played scrum half. I should that have lied and been like prop forward. <laughs> 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 the big guy at the base of it. Um, yeah, I played a couple of different positions: scrum half, out half, played wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly didn't really know the rules or anything about tactics or anything like that. Um, also didn't like getting dirty um, you know even like in, in training in school like in, in PE if someone was going to tackle you and it was like muddy and they were, you know I'd be like okay you don't need to put me down on the ground here we'll get it you know, <laughs> pretend that you've tackled me that's fine move on uh, but yeah football I just have played football forever do and you, still still do try to who do you play for? play for Dum Drum United I did know that in the McCall's Kitchen Newcastle Premier League um, which is you know the big time a lot of people call it Mm. How many runs down from the Irish League is that? 97. 97. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's not even amateur league football, so right. I don't know. Significantly. But it's, but it's a good, uh, you know, it gets me out of the house on a Saturday. Uh, Got a game tonight. Oh, well, thank you very much for disturbing your uh, immaculate <laughs> yeah. practice routine. Yeah, normally, we normally meet up, uh, <laughs> get a Brennan's ice cream, all the squad. <laughs> and you have to get the okay from the manager to and come And then here. get the bus, yeah, yeah, the gaffer's giving me a bit of a bit of time off. To thank you very this. much, appreciate it, much appreciate it. So you're a big Ulster fan, or are you going to have to take a little backseat for the like, hard rugby news section here? I mean, I always take a backseat, so there's no shame on it. You know... I think I'm what people call a diehard. Like I, I enjoy like watching Ulster going to games when they're winning and doing well, um, and then the rest of the time I don't I don't really pay too much attention. But no, I am um, so basically all of last season. I've got, <laughs> the yeah, <laughs> I've got more. I think I'm, like since I've started doing videos along the theme of rugby and stuff like that, I have actually started to get more into it. I was into it as a kid. I would have gone to some 
Ulster games. Um, but yeah, I've, so, I've started to get more into it in the last couple of years. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't be like a big fan, but I go to the old game here, or there, and like to see them doing well. So you're ready to pass yourself with some yes. top quality Ulster. Uh, knowledge here then yeah well first up then the new signings Henry Spate who comes in on a short term deal from Australia much like Christian Lelefano did uh, last season and Billy Burns the fly half from Gloucester which Shane you reminded me of because I had no idea where he came from yes. I had forgotten so well he, done he also, sounds like, he also sounds like he'd be in the Beano as well yeah he absolutely does yeah, yeah. I was thinking like a 65 year old smokes a pipe yeah definitely like Absolutely, loves going out and getting Ireland Saturday night and Saturday night, and he's now still raging that it doesn't exist anymore. Um, good signings then. Yeah, I mean, like they're so short of bodies in the back three at the minute that Henry Spates a signing out of necessity. Really, I mean, he's arrived today as we record this on Tuesday, so I think it took him two days to get here, and he's only here at Christmas, so uh, <laughs> time for him to leave again. So. <laughs> but if you look at the the profile of the injuries they've got obviously Lee Ludic getting injured in the last game of last season along with Luke Marshall uh, David Busby being injured and Jacob Stockdale um, picking up a hamstring injury in training if you're talking about back three options then you've got Rob Little Craig Gilroy Will Allison who's come in he can play a bit of fullback and then in terms of senior players rather than academy players that's that was it really so the addition of somebody like that with his uh, his stand in the game, obviously, nineteen caps for Australia, I think. So it'll be a big uh, big boost to the panel coming in for the next um, three or four months. Obviously, as you mentioned, they're short term. So mm-hmm. by the time this season sort of hits crunch time in Europe and the league, he'll be away again. But um, to cover that period where Lee Lydic will be out and uh, Jacob Stockdale will be out, Jacob Stockdale obviously hoping to be involved in. Um, the Irish games in November as well so you can certainly see the logic of, of that and there's no fresh injury news we haven't missed anything like like very recently is there I mean it just seems like somebody the like, last day or something well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah like I mean everybody else seemed to get injured on a daily basis I'm just wondering who it is today no, we're, we're <laughs> absolutely nothing that was just somebody asked on Twitter I didn't write down who it was no, but. no nobody more injured just uh, Stockdale Ludic Marshall and Buzzfeed are the Long termers and obviously stock deals sort of end of September, yeah. early October. What about Billy then from the Beano? Good signing. Do you know much about him? Yeah, look, he's a guy who had a lot of promise and then sort of never really pushed on. He was always a consistent performer for Gloucester, but then Gloucester always seemed to go with other guys. They brought in Owen Williams and now they've brought in Danny Cipriani, and I think that probably spelled the end for Burns in terms of his time at Gloucester. and. Uh, whenever the offer came in from here, he couldn't really turn it down. And in terms of giving Johnny McPhillips competition, it's a great opportunity for the two of them to sort of bounce off each other and, and really compete for that 10 jersey because neither of them were nailed on to start, especially after the finish that McPhillips had to last season. So you've, you've got some proper competition for the 10 jersey, which is important. Burns brings that a little bit more experience, but... McPhillips being so exciting at the end of last season, it would be hard to immediately dismiss him. So Burns just gives that other angle that you could go down as opposed to we're going to go with Johnny McPhillips and if he doesn't pan out, then we're going to have to turn to Michael Lowry because you've got to add him, him into the mix as well because coming back from injury uh, last season, 
He's going to re- really be pushing for time as well. Michael so. Lowry, Shane, is a, an Ulster Academy player. He's never played a first-team game, but yet has got a mention on every single Ulster rugby roundup that has ever existed right, right, because right. these guys absolutely love him. That's it. But what, what, what do you, what do, you want? do? Like, roughly, like, you think? 19. Okay. By the way, you did that little squint as if you didn't know what his exact date and time of birth is. Seven of my birthday card. I would love to see in the first-team, Michael. I would love to have seen Ulster sign Cipriani. See, this is something that we'd actually talked about before, yeah, with Cipriani of he's obviously gone into Gloucester, which is in a way made Burns expendable. But Cipriani, as much as it would have been a short term thing and as much as there would have been I suppose people probably would have raised questions about um situations that he got himself into as a younger man. But if you watch Cipriani recently um, playing for Wasp certainly he's been great and he's the sort of player that um, would have definitely brought Ulster on in what they needed in that 10 position but you are now weighing up I think long term and short term benefits obviously Billy Byrne's been Irish qualified as heavily played in his favour like, but I think we're maybe moving away from Cipriani type signings and you've seen it with the amount of NIQs that they have of there's so much focus on building the next competitive Ulster team and that's almost an acknowledgement of the fact that this probably isn't an Ulster team that's going to challenge for trophies and just bringing in one sort of X-factor player here and there isn't going to be what puts them over the edge and that's what you have to look at these signings through that sort of prism I guess with guys like Billy Burns because Cipriani was mentioned, Sopoaga was mentioned, Yantes was mentioned. Guys that no harm to the Billy Burns of the squad would have sold more tickets and would have generated more interest around the team. But this season is really year one of what should be a three-year project of making this team in a position to challenge for silverware again because they're not there at the moment. I mean... I know Johnny Bell speaks very highly of Billy Burns. He's obviously worked with him um, the last couple of years. And an interesting thing that he said was about the idea that Billy Burns has played with such different coaches. So, like, he's played or he's worked under Laurie Fisher, which brought on one aspect of his game. And then last season, he was able to develop that more running side of his game, which is more natural to him. So, he has the experience of having to be a pragmatic 10 and he has the experience of playing under somebody that's going to give him a free reign to just do what he wants so it'll be interesting to see what we get because as Adam points out like 10 is not normally somewhere where you get a position battle where you don't really know who's going to be your starter mm-hmm. in the biggest game so especially in pre-season like the two of them battling away to see who gets to start for Scarlet and who gets to start for those Derby games the first European games that kind of thing will be interesting because as Adam alluded to there, like Burns has more experience over 100 games for Gloucester, but the way McPhillips ended the season last year, he's the incumbent. So absolutely, Tobin's favorite Ulster player for well, uh, no reason. Yeah, absolutely. What do you what do you think Johnny McPhillips? Johnny McPhillips is about 22, 21? 20, 22, I think. So, he, he's he's a young guy as well. I mean, that, that's the thing. Ulster now significantly. Uh, trying to think of the word here reduce the age of their squad basically they're they're focusing on youth and to have two guys like that battling out for the 10 jersey that could be their 
10 their two tens for the next five six years and they're yeah. still going to be at their prime yeah which is incredible in terms of what you're trying to do uh rebuilding your squad just on that and like i don't want to like derail us too much with uh with stats here but it was just something i found interesting when you thought about making the average age of the team younger like the average age of leinster's team the one that put 14 was 25 and a half average age of the saracen's team the one uh the aviva 26 and a half average age of the Crusaders team that won Super Rugby 26 and 8 months or something like that so in a way like youth is no excuse for this for this team or any team when you look at the teams that are actually winning silver the majority of the players now are in their mid-20s mm-hmm. because obviously the elder players are playing for Ireland for a majority or England or whoever for the actually expectation ramped up on these Ulster players well done Johnny thought I would well, not not to kind of, not to kind of step on the stats, but that's taking the squad as a whole. You know how many of their that's first the, choice twenty three? Uh, that's the starting teams from the finals. Okay, there's my argument going <laughs> out of the water. <laughs> so, Twenty minutes in, and you're challenging my stats. <coughs> Sorry, it's gonna be a long year. What about Shane Logan's successor then? Just to rattle on with the news here, um, I feel like I should probably be given an update on this, given that um, absolutely I am in charge all of CDs appointing. Are going to you, yeah, so. absolutely. So, so Shane, would you like to be Ulster's new CEO? What's a word? It's uh, enough. Just more than it should be. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, probably. I wouldn't mind. Like, even from a playing side, I said I played a Campbell there. I actually played a bit of tag a couple of years ago as well. well so then. I feel like. Uh, and uh, a girl essentially broke my nose with her shoulder. Uh, <laughs> and bear in mind, this is tag. So, uh, yeah, I feel like I've got the qualifications to, to do it. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, I sort of feel like if, if I had a role like that, I'd want to be able to just sort of, on the lunch break, go out onto the pitch, kick a few conversions, mm. just mess about, have the run in my place. But that job seems a little, seems a little bit too stuffy for me. Mm. Well, There's definitely people at home listening to this thinking that that is absolutely what an Ulster CEO should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect level of should be experience for it. You'd be an absolute hit. Um, speaking of going out and messing about on the pitch, we did have a question from Conan McManus, who may or may not be Jonathan's best man, who wanted to know what the biggest animal you could throw over the crossbar. Me, personally? Yeah. Oh, well, it depends what... Mm. He didn't give us a distance, but did try to get a distance yeah, from him. my first question, from what distance he's talking about. I feel like I could fire a small kangaroo over a, over a post. Like like are we talking like or newborn? Like how old? Not newborn, I wouldn't do that. It's quite, <laughs> yeah, it's quite actually quite a sickening, quite a sickening image. But, it's so um, much less humane to throw a baby as opposed to any animal. I don't know, I reckon... See, some animal, it, it depends, you, you want like a dense animal, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't think I could throw a chicken over a crossbar because I think they'd be, dip, it'd be difficult. True to get the trajectory right so mm, the wind would impact that too much yeah I, I'd say I'd say yeah like a small docile kangaroo just fire that over fair enough so if anybody has access to a small docile kangaroo by no tortoise, means fire a tortoise over like a medium sized tortoise mm. but yeah you're right it depends where you're doing it from if yeah, I'm directly really under it I mean yeah I mean I feel like you could throw a cat over a crossbar from anywhere but like see the thing is well I'm scared was it throwing or kicking was it throwing or kicking I don't know. Conan has not given us the details um, that we There's only one way to find out. <laughs> there isn't. And now we'll cross you over <laughs> to something we filmed we, earlier. We go, up to, we go up to Streamville with a trailer. 
<laughs> packet full of everything a selection of all a real new as art type situation somebody would sponsor that like yeah that. that's cool yeah, that's, right there. that's uh, a more watchable version of the crossbar challenge yeah, yeah. that's a good video for, for watch, like, it's a good Facebook live that. Yeah, mm-hmm. rather than watching five rules trying to kick the ball over the bar like because nobody ever gets it no. it's hard to watch mm. Mm. You don't, you don't we could that. pitch this as halftime entertainment yeah at Kingspan yeah, yeah. People would enjoy that. Well, we'll get in t- contact with Ulster and let you know how that goes. Um, Shane Logan's successor then, <laughs> getting back to being on topic, I am actually not in charge of appointing him. It is called, the guy who's appointing him is called Yarathana, but it's not me, who the people who were seriously debating this in the forum should know, <laughs> given that a matter of months ago I confessed that I know absolutely nothing about Ulster rugby and rugby in general. So to hand that position to me, a random podcast host would be entirely... Uh, Stupid. Well, we'll see who they come up with and see whether you could have done a better job or not. Why? Because, why uh, are they only starting now? <laughs> the jury's out. I mean, Shane Logan announced that he was leaving two months ago. The, my initial thought when I got that email through the other day was like, like it was two months ago. What are you been doing? Well, he is still in the post until the end of the month. Well, yeah, but now he gives them well, two weeks to. I mean, it would make you think that obviously they had somebody in mind that they couldn't lure. The fact that they've had to go to a recruitment agency. The first Englands that this was happening in this way it was in early July which was still a month after maybe more than a month after Shane Logan had said he was departing so the fact of the matter is that you're in a situation where you're not going to have a CEO because Shane Logan's still leaving this month I don't know whether that's widely known or not but he'll still be away the interviews for this position are going to be after the 14th because that's when Closing date for it is then whoever that person is presumably well, closing date today, Shane. You know, get fourteen September. <laughs> September. Sorry, no, nothing's happening quicker. Fourteenth <laughs> <laughs> uh, of September, probably another couple of weeks to set up the interviews. Then whoever gets the job will have to be uh, working some sort of notice period in their current job, presumably. So it's going to be a while, shall we say? Just yeah. remi- this reminds me remarkably of a situation with a head coach of a team. <laughs> where they had to work a notice period with their previous team being for a while. Can't think who though, just No, no thing will come together in twenty twenty. Everybody, <laughs> everybody will be where they're meant to be in twenty twenty. Yeah. Do you think he's doing things out of spite because he has like a, just a month left? Do you think he's like ordering kits that are like way too small for the team, <laughs> filling up the water bottle with like warm water and stuff? I have like to think he's sabotaging everything. <laughs> yeah, there's be. not a single office supply left in that <laughs> If he's he's using way too many staples, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's, he's doubling up on staples. It's cost him a fortune he's stationary. He's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> That's where Pietai's weight has gone. Shane Logan's <laughs> Fixtures then, very briefly. Champions Cup pool uh, sees Ulster in with Leicester. Rassing 92, is it Rassing or Racing? Rassing. Rassing, it is Rassing. You shouldn't have doubted myself. And Scarlet's. Probably not going to get out of that pool again. Sorry, it's actually Scarlet. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Should have known. Um, I'm just happy that Leicester. I love Leicester as a as a club and as a place to travel for an away game. That's I what I like. I Leicester last week. First time they're good in Andrews, understaffed, but uh, <laughs> but good. I, I went to yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I went to the Nando's in Leicester with my family a few years ago. In like a big, is it in like a big retail park? Yes. Happy days. And, and uh, well, we, did, we did we did the usual thing with uh, where you get the a glass of water and then you quickly pour the water out and you fill it with a bottomless drink. I don't do that because that's illegal. But <laughs> <laughs> this but, podcast uh, will be sent immediately to the authorities. <laughs> But I can remember my mum being absolutely horrified that I was doing this. Sure. And, saying, and rightly so. As we all are here. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I have no regrets. I got three Fantas and I was delighted. Shane, I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> Nando's because another question we got in was from a guy on Twitter called Robert Emerson who says you have blocked him on Twitter. I was just asking could you unblock him. So I obviously made the request I as can't. to what you blocked him for. I can't and do it, that. And it seemed to be because he was like obsessively asking you to go to Nando's or something. It was, it was just... It was, it was, <laughs> Which is bizarre. He was blocked for naff trolling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's creative, if it's good... I'll keep it in there, but nah, it was terrible. Just, yeah. No imagination. Nah, we just couldn't. We just couldn't move past it. If you were to critique his trolling, what would you say he could improve on for future endeavors? Um, I don't know. I think I think just don't be an adult. You know what I mean? And do that. Like if he was like fourteen and unblock him, be like, oh well, I should take you for an Andrews mate. But <laughs> he's, still, he's just an adult guy living in his, you know, his parents' basement. Um, I don't know if he is, but that's just how I picture him. It's, it's, it's a good guess. That's how I picture him wearing a tinfoil hat. But um, no, fair play to him. There, he's not getting unblocked then, basically. No, absolutely no, no chance. No, no, he's not. He's yeah, not. fair play. Back, fair back play. To just right. Back to um, Ulster's European pool. Uh, they're not going to progress, really, are they? Uh, I, I feel like I'm going to flip-flop this season. I was very optimistic last season. I've given it, I've had enough. I decided that I'm going to be optimistic this season. So, so we'll swap like, them. We can yin and yang this stuff. So we're going to like If you're looking at it, then Racing are obviously the favourites but are inconsistent we've seen them reach finals and then knock out of the pool the year after that's happened before Scarlets while they've been an awful lot better than Ulster recently are something of an unknown quantity this year they've lost Barkley Byrne Scott Williams and they now know that Wayne Pivac is definitely going to be taking over the Wales job and um, 2019, and we saw the sort of effect that that had on Glasgow when Gregor Townsend was in the same situation with Scotland. So you don't really know what you're going to get from them. Obviously, we'll talk more about them soon because um, they're the first visitors to Kingspan. So, and then Leicester, like you know, Leicester aren't the Leicester of old. They've missed the playoffs in England for the first time in a very long time or last year. So, I think. You would look at it and say that you could be set up for a very similar situation to Ulster find themselves in last year, where they will have to go away and beat a good team. Last year they couldn't do it with Wasps, but you get the feeling that if you were going to say to fans and probably players as well, that you'll be in a position where you have to go away, say in the last round of games, and win with a quarterfinal on the line, you would take that situation now. Yeah. So the highlight, really, of the pool is probably going to be that Nando's for Ulster fans in. Absolutely. This is turning into, like, a really weird trip advisor. (laughs) It's 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 like, there is a trip to Paris involved in this, but there's also (laughs) Nando's in Paris. No Nando's in Paris, man. So, yeah, who wins here? They could get through the pool, though. You could conceivably see them getting through the pool, because we've mentioned that Leicester aren't the Leicester of old, um, and that's very clear in how they've been playing recently, and based on their off-season recruitment, you don't really see much to suggest that they're going back in the right direction to where they were. Racing, as we said, can be very inconsistent. They are the best team in this pool on their day. But if they don't bring that consistency, especially to their away games, there is definitely a weakness to be exploited there. And the Scarlets are basically a hit and miss at home and away. You know, you, you'll probably beat them at home, but you might not beat them away because Clanathley is a soulless place to go. Um, so like, What's the well, Nando situation? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to find out. I can Google, let me know. Let I can me Google know. it here right now. No, just let me we'll know. We'll see. 
It's a, it's a navigational play. You win your three home games, you win one away game, and you sneak a couple bonus points. You're right in the mix there for a quarterfinal place. It's it not like, it's not out of the question. It sounds like a cut and paste job because you say the same thing every year, but it is one of those things that's become a cliche for a reason. If you win your home games, you're in the shite. <laughs> and like we saw last year, La Rochelle were a better team than Ulster, but Ulster were still able to beat them at home. They won the home games, and then that put them in a position where they only had to only had to go and beat Wasps. Now they couldn't mm-hmm. do it, but you could foresee them being in that sort of situation yeah. again. As much as you think Racing should win the pool, given the talent that they have and the people that they brought in. Yeah. What about the Pro Fourteen fixtures? Then finally, I had them, uh, and I haven't got them now, so I can't actually remember. I've got I've them. Got them. Against I think the Pro Fourteen fixtures are a complete horror show. I don't know whether I'm alone in this. Like, no, I'm, uh, I'm going to agree with you. Scarlets and Edinburgh at home to start. You won one and lost one of those games last year. Both of them could have went either way. And you would put them in that same bracket again. Then you have to go to South Africa. Southern Kings, fine. People don't tend to win in Bloemfontein against the Cheetahs. Munster away. Also haven't won in Munster since 2014. 2014. End of 2014. So that's four seasons now. And then Connacht at home, he, he always beat. But, I mean, what's a good return from those first six fixtures? Three wins. What's your expected return? Three wins? Well, no, you you should be getting four wins because you have three home games and you should be beating the Southern Kings away. I don't um, know if you would put the mortgage on them beating Scarlet's and Edinburgh within six days of each other. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the mortgage on them doing that either, but I'm just saying the expectation is that you should be doing that because you're at home. For me, the big thing is... How do Ulster manage this period without their internationals? Because you're going to have to go away to South Africa without any of your internationals. Um, and you've got to try and get through those two games. And as we said, teams rarely win in Bloemfontein. And the Kings last year was very nearly a horror show. And as, as much as I don't see it happening again this year, it still could because the South African teams are still so much of an unknown in terms of we've only actually played in South Africa once I mean like ultimately as much as it took like an extra two and a half months the performance in South Africa essentially cost somebody their job like yeah because it was that bad yeah that was what put the wheels in motion for Leskis ultimately leaving at the end of January because yes. that was when the first whispers of dissent at an important level rather than just um, fans and us talking about it started to come so it is one of those it's a tricky enough game to have that early in the season because you don't have your internationals much like they didn't have last year because they went in November last year but like Scarlet's and Edinburgh are two virtually 50-50 games and if they don't go your way then you beat the Southern Kings you probably lose to the Cheetahs and then you come back and you have to go to Munster it can set off a sort of chain of events if you don't yeah. get good results in those first two games where you're going into Europe without things going well and it's not as much as everyone says there's a clean slate here, it's not going to take very much for people to say at the start of the season, well, if things don't go well, well, maybe he's going to want some games if you had a head coach. Yeah. yeah so uh, a strong start is important for Ulster, and it's a difficult set of fixtures to get them because you only really have one bad team in your mm. first six <laughs> fixtures. Well, what conceivably, about- you could be one from five after those first five games. See, I've got you being pessimistic already. Take me right on. Could be one from five for five games. That would be a feat. Um, 
What about uh, Gloucester on Saturday then? Seeing this game probably doesn't mean, really mean an awful lot, but it means an awful lot to you and oh, your weekend plans. Five, so. Yeah, this this game, uh, I was actually tempted to give give the guys at Ulster a shout. Um, so I'm going to stag to this weekend, and um, the stag is very good friends with Darren Cave who now isn't going to be able to make even a cameo appearance um, this point. In, in Portugal for it. So it's inconvenient for me, if I'm honest. Can you pull a sickie or something? Yeah, I mean, you sort of think it's only pre-season. I know. You know what I mean? Like, in, And, you know, who's going to see you in Portugal? Um, <laughs> but I don't know, there's still time. There's still time. You know, if the, if the day before you see Darren all of a sudden puts up the hamstring injury or whatever, I think you'll... <laughs> you, them here. you know, he's out there having a good time with the uh, <laughs> could, could he convince them he needs some warm weather rehab or something like that? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I think I, after the trip, might need some, some form of rehab <laughs> anyway. Uh, as cold as possible. Some bed, bedroom uh, <laughs> yeah. rehab. So, I'm, but I'm also missing the front and fight, so. You probably won't watch it in Portugal, right? Oh, yeah. Boxing big in Portugal? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. We Irish bar or something, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are we going to learn from this game, other than uh, hoping nobody gets injured? Can I ask, sorry, what, what, what are the attendances like? You know, for like a pre-season game. Mm. See, because pre-season included in the season ticket, then people oh, do okay. turn up because I suppose they've got the ticket already. Mm-hmm. I remember I didn't think of that, are they? Yes. Um, so you don't have the situation that you had at the the Ospreys game where season tickets weren't included and 7,000 people come. Exactly. Yeah. So you'll, pr- you'll probably have just north of 10,000. Plus it's like anything, that, you know, there's a scarcity because there hasn't been a game and like, Five, yeah, four months. So people are suffering from withdraw- rugby withdrawal symptoms at this mm-hmm. stage. Exactly. Watch anything. Pretty much, which is exactly what they'll be doing for this Gloucester game because preseason is not exactly the biggest spectacle, yeah. is it? So this is only the start of preseason games? Yeah. Ah, right, okay. Because I'm starting to sweat. This is the first year I haven't been sent a kit. <laughs> um, but we're still far enough away from the competitive start yeah, of the season. Oh yeah, we're, we're get, get on the cookery straight away. Although, you know, sort of, I think I burnt that bridge for myself. Um, a couple of years ago, I got sent the, remember the purple kit? Yeah. Yes. Which I thought was really nice. And somebody else was like, yeah, it's just a favour, just, you know, take a picture of you with the kit, make it, you know, make it funny, do whatever you want. So I just went, it was a really nice summer's day, I just went down to my garden. Just wearing a wee pair of shorts, just took a topless picture of myself. It's like kind of holding the shirt in my hand, but you couldn't even really see the shirt. Um, and then posted that up, and I haven't been sent one since. So <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're listening, guys, let's uh, let's mend those bridges and uh, let's send me some kit. Take the kit. The kit launch is tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Get That's exciting. Out. Get have you seen out. it? I haven't seen it now. You obviously haven't seen. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. Um, well, that's that's exciting. I don't care. Uh, so I'm going to guess it'll be white with bits of Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, more than likely. Um, so, yeah, that. Bright yellow. No. <laughs> it's not even white, it's just a European Yeah. Uh, so, Shane, tell us a wee bit more about uh, your your own rugby career then. Did it really go no further than the, the season school? Did you ever play full rugby or anything? No, God, no. The first <laughs> the first game I ever played in school, I, I swear to you, I played as hooker. Um, and it was just a bunch of lads on a bus going to play in uh, like yeah third fourth team level whatever it was who didn't like nobody knew anything about rugby so uh, yeah I played hooker I wore a leopard print scrum hat that my mum got me thanks mum <laughs> And, uh, what was the thinking behind that like, did I, you want you to get bullied or? well no it was Lion Sports in Hollywood I think uh, 
the guy there must have had something against me because my mum went in she's like I need a scrum hat for my son and he gave her that she's like I thought all the boys were that I was like mm, absolutely not see she um, wanted to know whenever he got caught at the bottom of a rock that he was still like, there and still well, she could identify my body easier I guess yeah, um, but I managed to somehow survive in the first game but uh, but yeah I played I played all, well yeah when I was really young played a game for Hollywood Rugby Club when I was maybe seven and I went to tackle a boy and uh, as I was like diving to tackle him he like ran on ahead of me his boot came back up and uh, hit me on the nose and my nose bled and someone else's mum took me to some toilets uh, <laughs> where I just cried for a long period of time and <laughs> cleared up the blood so um, that's, that's been it I, I did play in school but only because in Campbell was like hockey or rugby uh, well yeah that's fair but I enjoyed it I mean it was it was good fun at times just not when it was cold yeah honestly yeah, like I, I don't know how anybody enjoys that someone stands in your finger or whatever uh, it's horrendous it's just not a good time no it's not fun I was in school playing, uh, playing rugby in the snow which just was not enjoyable nah, in the slightest nah, nah. yeah that's why you guys write about it and don't play it I suppose well that then the horrible horrible lack of talent uh, yeah. that's true but then it didn't stop you in your journalism career either really so wow. um I do want to say, speaking about lack of talent, as we bridge into the segment about your comedy career, Shane, well, because that's a terrible plug. Things, things are going very well. Good, um, good. Look, tell us a little bit about it. Listen, you, what I want to know is, when did you realise you were funny? Like, did you do something as like a favourite and everybody laughed and you're like, oh my word, I'm hilarious? I wrote a sketch whenever I was in the Scouts. Might have even been the Beavers, might have been going back. Shout out to the 99th troop. But uh, <laughs> but back in the day, I was at like uh, like Beavers or Scouts, like one of those camps. And um, it was like a talent show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote a sketch, which at the time was pioneering. It was uh, me and another boy called Stephen, I think. And uh, by the way, I should point out, he did not do anything right writing wise. You know what I mean? He was just in it with me, but I, it was my 100% my, my project. Um, Stephen's out there right now. Stephen works for Saturday Night Live now. <laughs> He's gone on to better things. But but yeah, we the sketch was we pretended to punch each other back and forth and have this fight. It went on for like 10 minutes, not 10 minutes, like 10 seconds. And then, I, then we stopped out of breath and I said to him, do you want to go to the pub? And he said, yeah. And then we walked away arm in arm to the pub. And it uh, didn't get as much as it should have uh, in order to ban him that night uh, in the scout hall. But, um, I think you maybe need to be there. <laughs> no, because people were there and didn't like it. But um, <laughs> so you didn't need to be there, preferably. I wouldn't have been there. But um, I don't know. I was never like, I was never like a, a what, well, what was a class clown? But not like, never like demanded to be the centre of attention. Like still leaving, unless I'm on stage, in which case by default you're going to be the centre mm, of attention. Absolutely. I don't, I'm not like, I'm not like loud. You know what I mean? Like people still do get surprised when I say I'm a comedian even even when they're at gigs um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know I think I'm like yeah I mean I like to think obviously I'm a funny person but I wouldn't say 24-7 I'm not someone who's like always on you know sometimes no. you meet comedians who are just constantly performing and it's difficult to actually just have a and, normal uh, conversation with them um, but yeah I mean I've been doing it for like 11 years now maybe four of those have been full time and how do you start to get how do you, how do you get into it? I think whenever I went I left Campbell whenever I was in fifth whenever I was going into lower sixth. I left up GCSEs and went to Belfast Met, and um, doing that was just way better. Just made me feel like more comfortable in my own skin. You know, to wear school uniform. Finally, there was like girls in your class who could who could turn you down, and um, <laughs> and that and that just made me feel like more confident. And uh, I I went. I used to go to watch in the Empire. I used to sort of sneak underage into the Empire and watch there. 
and um, all sorts of illegal right, activity. Yeah, so, being so can we stop here? Yeah, but I was paying for my drinks. <laughs> I was paying for my coke. Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's Chris Henry's wife does uh, stuff. For yeah, the Jim, bar, Jim, so Jim, Jim. There, there's your, there's your Ulster. There's your Ulster link. There's okay, the connection. So we can get away with this in Ulster Rugby Podcast now. Thank you, John. <laughs> yeah, the Empire where Jade runs that now. That's uh, and it was her dad running it then. That was the first place I would have went to watch. I honestly don't know what it was that made me want to do it. It seems now such a weird concept that I would just look at someone up on stage and go, God, that looks horrifying, but I'd love to go up and try it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just sort of fell into it. I never had a... I started studying media production to do behind-the-camera stuff because even at that age, I wasn't really confident enough to say, well, this is what I want to do, I want to perform. Uh-huh. It just didn't feel cooler, so I thought it might have got like, bullied if I'd have said, like, <laughs> I want to be a performer. Um, and after the scrum cap incident so, yeah, and, and what's weird is I was still wearing that uh, <laughs> years after I left school just to go out socially and stuff but uh, so yeah I don't know I don't know what age I thought it was funny I mean I could I, could, I, was really, I used to be really good at like, impressions and accents so whenever mm-hmm. I was a kid like just from a family and stuff I would impersonate people like in the street that mm-hmm. we lived on uh, so maybe then he's uh, like his stuff inspires you do like do you ever like see somebody be like I wish I'd written that joke or anything like that yeah, just when you yeah. see your own stuff and forget you actually. Yeah. <laughs> I I was always still am, but was always way more into like American stand up. So like Richard Pryor when I grew up, Eddie Murphy, all that kind of stand up. Like the Def Jam Black American stand up was definitely what I was into then. Um, so I'm not even that much into like British stand up. You know, shows like Live at the Apollo and stuff aren't really what yeah. what I'm too into. But the Fast Show, do you remember, remember the sketch yeah. of the Fast Show? Um, mm. Paul Whitehouse. Um, did in BBC and Harry Enfield sketch you things like that I got really into but nah, I, I wouldn't even, you wouldn't even watch a joke and go like I wish I'd have written that because it, it's so uh, personal to the person who wrote it it just wouldn't make sense a lot of time if you did it um, but yeah like Rick Gervais Seinfeld things like that and then loads of like lesser known comedians that maybe you just see at a gig by chance and yeah is there a favourite like sketch you've done so far? Um, I I really like doing sort of one-off sketches that wouldn't get the sort of traction that when you do the character stuff, yeah. never get the same amount of views or anything like that. Um, but I like doing stuff that's kind of really different. Um, I did a thing a couple of weeks ago. It was like a fake BBC Spotlight thing. That was really good fun to do. Um, but the most enjoyable one I've ever done, probably one of the football ones I've done because... Cruise. Yeah, probably. The, the, there's like a Euro preview. It was like Euro 16 preview. We shot it just off the Boucher Road in some playing fields. That was maybe my favourite one. Bonter? Yeah, because that was yeah, the first. I'm, that I'm was really outing myself as a fan. Yeah, that's yeah. the first. That Because that sketch was the first time Kieran did that. And I didn't like give him much of a brief. I was like, I want you to come down and sort of play this like character who's like a young football player. And I didn't tell him like what to bring or what to wear, and all of a sudden, what he, what he arrived up. Once once he started doing that, I thought like, yeah, this there's definitely mileage in this. Mm-hmm. Like we can definitely keep, and we still do things from time to time with that. It's MA journalism class two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah. He was also one of my lectures too, which is bizarre. Uh, uni. He's one of my friends' in. lectures as well. I think it's weird that. Uh, someone who does stand-up is, is like a lecturer as well and has like an actual adult job I, I, can't, I can't conceive of that but uh, but yeah they were always good fun I mean I enjoyed it people say like what character do you enjoyed in the most I, I pretty much enjoyed in them all equally otherwise I just wouldn't do them I don't feel an obligation because one does well to keep doing stuff for it I would drop 
drop it in our bit if I wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're doing uh, more things right now going into our podcast with this Ulster's second favourite podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my slogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been podcasting for a while. I do a podcast with my friend Dave Elliott called the Boy Town Podcast, which we've been doing for like two years, maybe something like that. So we started off just doing it in his kitchen and uh, got a bit more serious about it in the last couple of months. We've got a bit of a studio space to do it and we have like a producer. Same crap already. <laughs> producer? What? Oh, this is we a disgrace. A, we have a producer, yeah, who sort of like sends us homeworks every week, which I need. Um, <laughs> and then I've been doing my own Shane Toddcast, great title. Um, Fantastic. On SoundCloud and iTunes. So I, I love it. It's just, I mean, I talk to myself anyway, so it's just the way you just flick on a microphone and catch some of that. Um, you did get yourself in trouble with the DEP, but like, yeah. Oh, that, that's been a theme for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that. <laughs> yeah, so what happened was I, I, I was slagging off Emma Pengelly a little on yeah. the podcast because um, of the short strand bus thing, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I, I yeah talked at length about it on the podcast and then literally the next day um, I was driving out of somewhere. I should point out it was the Integrated Education Fund because I'm a great guy and do it for charity. <laughs> but um, I was turning out of there up near Forest Side, and a car very kindly flashed me and let me out, and it was Emma Bengeli. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, At which point you feel like the world's worst person? Well, and, and also became an instant DUP supporter. <laughs> I was like, I'm prepared to put a lot of my beliefs aside because uh, someone who lets you out against traffic, you know, that's 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 my hero. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got in trouble with a lot of a, so, a lot of different people. She's been a balloon, so she must be a rugby fan as well. Really? Maybe she's trying to get on the good side of the Ulster Rugby Roundup now. That's it. We could have her on. Yeah, yeah. on next week. She's slagging me off. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realise it was him who was that night, or I would have uh, cut him off. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've got in trouble with a lot of people and been told off several times. <laughs> I love it. Well, who said strange? We haven't annoyed. We have, have we annoyed people? I don't think we have. Maybe we're not controversial enough. Uh, we, need to, we need to say something better. We'll, we'll not go into it because it's a new season and we're all friends again. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> one, one thing I want to ask, Shane, whenever you're doing a gig, do you have everything learned off by heart? Do you know everything? Or is there a lot of improv done whenever you're doing a gig? A wee bit of both. I know the start, the middle, and the end. Okay. And I know how to do, I know how to do it, uh, the bit. But if something crops up in my head while I'm doing it, I'll definitely just like run with that. Mm-hmm. So I won't say it word for word perfect every night. Because mm-hmm. I think you can do that and there's people who can do that and make it look really natural. I, I couldn't. I would look like I was performing like a monologue, yeah. if you get me. And I'd be maybe, you know, kind of like dead behind the eyes or, mm-hmm. or like that. So I like to just uh, be like quite loose with it. Obviously, you've got yeah. punchlines in there because mm-hmm. you sort of need them. Um, but if a thought comes into my head halfway through it that I've never thought before, I'll just... I'll just do that and I think that's good because to me if I'm watching stand-up and the comedian is like not like laughing at his own jokes but if he's really enjoying performing a bit and it's like exciting and new to him then I enjoy it even more so um, it's not I don't rehearse anything off stage a lot of guys I know will perform in the mirror just at home uh, but I find the idea of that really weird but then they probably find it really weird that I, I mm. don't do that so everyone just has their own way of doing it and that's just I've always been like pretty loose with it are you getting like gigs at Ulster Hall and stuff now? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it uh, it's one of those ones where like I think if, if I stopped and thought about it, it would terrify me. But <laughs> I just keep going and like book new shows every year. Um, but that was always somewhere that I didn't think local performers did shows. You know, it was always you were going to watch bands that were from America yeah. or wherever. 
And I think the first, even the first time I booked Mandela Hall, maybe four years ago. Rest other, <laughs> yeah, other, other. Are you predict, predict, predicting my death? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck for the Ulster Hall. <laughs> I had to get away. Not in the Mandela Hall. Sorry. The fir- I remember the first time I booked out. People thought, you know, did you just do it by myself. Other comedians were like, "Why are you doing this? Like, why do you think that's a good idea?" Um, but it's like I'm just pushing it to see where the ceiling is in terms of yeah. venues. But people have been great about coming out to support me and do it. So I did one show at the Ulster Hall two years ago, two last year, and we've got two on sale this year, but there might be room to do something else. Um, but yeah, it's been great. The first time I did it, I was there was a wee bit of a rabbit caught in the headlights kind of element to it, because it was just standing out on that stage and be like, these people are here to see me yeah. do jokes. And I, I, I got very, very nervous. And then last year, I don't know what, as soon as I was very nervous beforehand, and as soon as I stepped out on stage, I felt completely at ease and relaxed yeah. um, so yeah so the tour kind of builds up to that uh, with loads of places in between I didn't just want to go to the usual places you know there's sort of like a well trodden local theatre route you can yeah. go down and play the same kind of places but I want to mix it up a wee <coughs> bit and see what happens and of course there'll be shows that do really well and sell out there's going to be ones that absolutely don't but well, you're starting at Rathen Island starting at Rathen yeah. obscure. I, I think this will be my fifth gig on Rathen I really? think I hold the record of the amount, <laughs> the amount of comedy hours on, uh, on Rathen I saw a documentary on BBC about it a couple of years ago we texted a friend who's a comedian and I was like we're going to do a gig there I have a good feeling about it and we went and uh, it, it was great I mean it was great I mean you're giving people no other option because there's only one bar, so <laughs> there's no competition. It's not like you've got people perform. You know, if you're on the Ulster Hall, there's maybe someone at the waterfront, the Odyssey, yeah. whatever. Not in Rathlin, um, but it was it was great. So I love the idea that we're just starting the tour there. So to bring it back to rugby a little bit, then do you go many Ulster games? And tell we sort of answered that earlier, didn't you? Uh, who's your favourite player? I would go to maybe th- yeah, get to maybe three or four games a year. Um, person probably friendliest with would be Craig Roy maybe. Um, yeah, and see to be honest, I've never, I've never met a player that I haven't thought was like lovely, like really, like when I first started doing the my McGoldrick videos, that sort of uh, went down well with the players, and and the reason that that I think did so well at the time was because uh, Lewis Stevenson was. Um, Doing a is it Lewis Stevenson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he left like four years ago. Yeah, yeah. So Lewis gave me a shout on Twitter after the, one of the first videos came out, and he said like we're doing a dinner for the boys in Greens Pizza in Ballyhack. Would you come down and like do a performance? And uh, I went down in characters. Mike McGoldring just essentially slagged off the whole <laughs> the whole team for like ten minutes, and they would nobody would have known who I was then really. And uh, I think it was Lewis or Tommy Bow was like said to all the players after he's like get, I, I'd left this point but someone was saying he's like get your phones out and, and tweet about that guy you know like uh, link to the video and stuff like that because he's come down and done that for nothing and uh, that kicked that, that, that kicked, that nice kicked everything off so anyway they're just they're just all really nice you know <laughs> like you have also a bit of thank for who you are today yeah yeah well no I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, Craig would be probably my favourite player, but like yeah, Darren Cave, Andrew Trimble, um, Tommy's really nice. Oh, they're all they're all. They're all well, which Ulster player is there? Any Ulster player that could be a stand-up comedian? Which Ulster player is the best? Current? Andrew Trimble good, could good be banter. a stand-up comedian. He's got a very good sense of humour, kind of like a dry sense of humour, but also very like deprecating as well. 
I think that's the stand-up I like when people sort of mm-hmm. take the mick out of themselves. Like, this is why I think Trimby's going to be so good when he goes on TV mm-hmm. next year. Yeah, does yeah, the, yeah. Does the commentary. Yeah. Because there's going to be a lot of times, I think, when people don't know whether he's joking or not and won't know yeah, how to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. that's the kind of thing that I want to see on TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a big stand-up fan as well, in general. Mm-hmm. Like, goes to see a lot of stand-up, yeah. and yeah, I reckon he could, I reckon he could do He'd it. He'd give it a go. It is amazing, because there is a general consensus from everyone that Trimby <laughs> would be the best, like, stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. or he has the best sense of humour. Yeah. So It's it's nice that we said something nice about him, because now we're trying to get more guests on, and he's sort of doing this whole thing on the TV now. It would be nice <laughs> yeah. to get, get him on. So, hope you're listening, Andrew. G- give us a tweet. Um, <laughs> uh, Favourite match you've ever been to? Favourite match you've ever been to wasn't like a particularly big, it wasn't like a final or anything, but um, I really hope I've got the opposition right. I hope it was Scarlet. It was like last season, and um, I took my, my fiance's parents to a game for the first time, never been in an Ulster match. I always wanted to go, and you guys will tell me who the opponents were, but it was like absolutely something like ridiculous, like 26 0 against Ulster at half time. And then I came back and won the second half. Oh, no, that was yeah. Monster. Yeah. That was, uh, I knew they were red. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was absolutely brilliant. As their first game, because I told them about like how good the atmosphere was and the fans were. And, <laughs> and in the first time, half, there right? was absolutely <laughs> none of that. And I was sort of th- looking at them, thinking, like, ah, they haven't got a good reflection of what it's like. And then in the second half, when the comeback started, then it was just electric. And, mm-hmm. and it was great. So, uh, so you converted two fans then? Yeah. Oh, also, what was good was uh, I was doing the Edinburgh Fringe a couple of years ago and Ulster were in town to play Edinburgh, pre-season friendly. And um, I think it might have been Richie at the time from Ulster. was like, uh, Shane, do you want to like do a bit of Facebook Live for the game for us? So I had to hold like an iPhone oh, and Facebook so Live the game. Yeah. What Richie didn't know is I'd seen some shows that afternoon. That was my day off and I was quite drunk. So, <laughs> so I started like, I, I think I did it as Mike McGoldrick. And I remember like, videoing the game for a while and commenting on it not knowing anything about the opponent or anything like that and then drifting away gradually from the pitch to like look at my surroundings and I think there was like an estate like a council estate right beside the pitch and I started like passing comments on that and uh, I thought god they're going to get me every week to do this <laughs> afterwards Richie was like thank you but, but never do that again <laughs> never do that again so that was fun and you still expected to get a kick yeah after all that yeah <laughs> fantastic like whenever you were doing like all the videos and stuff were the players always receptive of uh, of the style of humour? Was there anyone who just didn't get it at all? Is there anybody you offended mortally? <laughs> I don't think I offended anyone. There's definitely guys who didn't get it, like a few of the South African boys yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, who just moved over, clearly aren't <laughs> going to get it. Um, but generally, like if I said, like, oh, can I come and do you know this thing with such and such a player? I don't think anybody really turned us down. Maybe getting into some bigger games just beforehand, if you were there a couple of days beforehand, you'd get someone at the wrong time or whatever. But um, I don't think anybody was was not was not open to it. I did some live things for Heineken uh, down at the stadium before games. Um, as as Mike McGoldrick, like I would never like do character stuff live, but that would suit it really well. It would be even quite weird if I was to do it, not as someone who isn't that into rugby. Um, but they would give us three players every night. To, the sponsors would send the players down before the match, usually players who were injured or not selected. And um, there was a couple of times, because it was like a live audience and that character lets you be kind of rude, but hopefully they know like that that is not real. Um, <laughs> there was definitely a time where Marcel could see he was not long over. And I was sort of like 
taking the mick out of him a bit and, and, and his accent and to be fair with hindsight I can see why <laughs> he was looking at me the way he did but there was a moment where I said something to him and he just gave me this look and I remember like wrapping the thing up <laughs> and then afterwards he was like the nicest guy in the world and I was like oh, you didn't think I offended you he's like oh definitely not um, so yeah the ball, everyone's, I love to say there was someone who's been a bit of a jerk but everyone's been really nice completely not what's your prediction for the season then? I think for, I think the time I started to get into Ulster rugby wise the expectations were really high and they were doing really well this feels like the lowest year for expectations so I actually yeah. think they're going to have maybe a good year mm. pressure might be off a little bit and I guess that whole Shane Logan thing where everyone was like looking out for so long and the, their social media was toxic you know all the comments were mm. horrendous I think like now if things are a bit more settled even though they haven't appointed someone yet um, I don't know I just think I just think it'll be a better a better season and maybe with like you say more youth players more academy players there'll be a bit more pride in the in the shirt so I think they'll do alright for someone who says he knows nothing about rugby that's a very <laughs> good answer <laughs> pretty good pretty good you passed yourself very well yeah. uh, so what do you think what's our hopes and dreams for the season ahead I do think it is all about Shane's point there of like the expectation and the expectation <laughs> for this team isn't what it has been in the past really sort of six years since the run to the Heineken Cup final where after that you were expecting them to kick on and win a trophy to put themselves on that next level of teams and you don't have that expectation anymore I mean last year we sort of talked about it when we started doing this podcast about you expected them to finish third because they weren't as good as Leinster and Scarlet's but they were better than everybody else and to give it a crack in Europe and obviously they didn't quite do that with finishing fourth behind Edinburgh ended up in the playoffs so the thing to me is that you see everyone thinks of rugby when teams haven't been good as like a long term project like how can we turn also rounds into teams that can win silver and like the history especially of this league shows that that's not the case because if you look at the last number of winners of this league it's always been coaches in their third year so Leo Cullen who you can say is a bit of an outlier because he had everything that Leinster have going for them anyway but like before that Pivac at Scarlets who wouldn't have been in contention for trophies for a particularly long time before they won one Townsend at Glasgow the same and Pat Lamb the biggest example at Connacht so what you need to see from this season is that at the end of it, you can see a team that could theoretically win the league two years' time. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like you go in and say this is a five, six, seven, eight-year project, because it's been proven time and time again that you can turn around a rugby team in three years from a seemingly very low base. With the recruitment that they've got in and the amount of the younger players coming through, It's you need to sort of do what... Bernard Jackman did with the Dragons last year only hopefully with obviously better results in the field and really sort of try and sort the wheat from the chaff and work out that if you are going to be a winning rugby team who can contribute to that and who can't and that's not necessarily found tangibly in wins and losses and how many points you have at the end of the season it's really more it's an eyeball test of the impression that you get come May and if we're all sat feeling a lot more positive about the team's prospects than we were last May when they're playing the Ospreys to just mm-hmm. get into the Champions Cup, you know. So really, it's maybe more about uh, 
performances and, and results. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bridge season because you you want to see progress from last season, but also just a better feel about the club mm -hmm. than last season, which obviously isn't going to be particularly hard, assuming that coaches and CEOs arrive in time to uh, <laughs> yeah. make us feel like the season's not wasted. And then you just want to see a progression towards the ultimate goal, which is winning trophies, and shouldn't be seen as something that's going to take a decade to do. Yeah. That's why I didn't like Lou Marshall's comments whenever we spoke to him uh, last week where he said, I think this team can still compete for trophies, that they don't need that pressure on them. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know, it's not really pressure. It's, it's just one of the players talking, but at the I, same I time... Don't think, I don't think Luke's going to go out and say we're not going to win anything. But no, yeah. but he, he, he didn't, he didn't, he yeah, didn't have to same. say, I think we can win trophies because... You, know, you don't need players saying that. Just like whenever you're asked, what are the expectations for this year? Just say, we know we, know we had a tough year last year. We're, we're looking to bounce back from that and really have a good year this year. I, I just think you, sh you shouldn't be mentioning trophies this year. I think, to be fair, I think he did say, I think we can surprise a few people first. Like It wasn't like he was like, we're going to get to the final. Book the parade in for City Hall. It was more... I don't think we're in as much trouble as people think they were in. But, like, it's the same, you know. If you're going to put too much stock into what players are saying, especially at this time of year, like, everyone's coming in saying, oh, there's a great buzz in uh, pre-season. It's like I said the same thing last year. It was one of the worst seasons on record by any professional rugby team from, like, a, a buzz point of view, if you will. So I don't think you can say too much about what players are saying especially media trained players are saying to the media like I'd be much more surprised if somebody said we've got no hope of winning trophies but maybe we'll finish fifth you know Shane one thing I forgot to say to you I spent yesterday um, writing well, a large part of yesterday writing superbly written never going to happen transfer rumours and while I was doing that I was listening to the Shane Toddcast, as I know you spent yesterday listening to Ulster Rugby Roundup in preparation sure. for today. Sure. Um, but one thing that you said that was slightly concerning, uh, some guy had tweeted you asking a series of questions of you to pick either or. Yeah. One of them was boxing or rugby. Would you just like to tell the Ulster Rugby Roundup listeners which one of those sports you uh, picked? Did I go for boxing? <laughs> you tell us, Shane. You tell us. I think I, think I might have gone for boxing, but... Uh, Care to explain yourself? I just think, I just think there's more, there's more glamour in it. You know, I like to put on a mink coat and uh, <laughs> sit ringside and in the SSC for the fights and my leopard print scrum hat. Uh, <laughs> I think there's definitely some scope for that in the premium boxes at Ravenhill. Yeah. Like. <laughs> That's what rugby's missing. You need to bring this aspect yeah. to Kingspan. I feel like this is an invitation to Deontay Wilder. Does he want to come to Kingspan Stadium before? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before Windsor on Saturday night. Um, I always say to be fair, given that Ulster are playing Gloucester. This weekend, there's probably a fair few rugby fans picking boxing this weekend. That's <laughs> very yeah. true. Probably everybody. We should have yeah. done a boxing podcast this week, really. Okay. Here I, we are. Gotta apologise, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, few listener questions then for uh, the rest of us. David Ralston says, um, just wants us to discuss the move to pay per view. Uh, he reckons that Ulster are risking losing a generation of fans for short term financial gain. We probably should make the point that it wasn't exactly Ulster's. Yes, uh, it's a Pro 14 but, deal. Um, 
but is that a, a, that's a real concern that isn't that it channel it's been, if you've missed all this Shane yes it's on a pay-per-view yeah. channel so and there's only one Ulster League game has been picked for Freeview so basically just casual rugby it. fans just I would, I would like to point out again the illegal, again, the illegal, illegal connotations of this you'll, you'll know <laughs> how to do that as, uh, as Premier Sports we're going to have to pass this podcast to Lego before yeah, this goes out no. Premier Sports took <laughs> us for, for lunch last week so we should discredit that just stream it <laughs> <laughs> Look, it could cost you a free lunch otherwise. next year we'll never get a free lunch again the thing is <laughs> I was yes. for <laughs> I was paid for the pockets of Royal Ulster Rugby fans, guys. That one. <laughs> They've been betrayed. We've weighed up the pros and cons of this before, and you do have to say that um, there are a lot of people who would have watched Ulster games on the BBC. They would have stumbled across it, and they would have thought, you know what, this actually looks pretty decent. They then would have gone to a game, and that would have led to them becoming season ticket holders. I was speaking to... Uh, to Fiona from Ulster Rugby and she said she got an email from a group of fans who that had happened to uh, last season so there is the possibility of that whenever it's on Freeview TV and uh, they are going to lose that now because if you're not a rugby fan you're not going to sign up for Premier Sports um, so that it really is just looking at the financial gain versus the uh, exposure and you've just got to trust that they've got it right because um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know how it's going to go until you see the viewing figures, until you see the subscription there's, numbers. There's always the, the danger that people think that a sport can go the way of test cricket or to a lesser extent F1 or even boxing if you take it off freely because then kids don't get the chance to see it and then aren't inspired to watch more, don't want to go to games. But the unfortunate reality of it is if you look at the football model, which is obviously working with much bigger numbers, but also football teams cost a lot more to run than rugby teams cost. Half the teams in the Premier League last year would have turned a profit if they played in an empty stadium every week. Mm-hmm. Because TVs, yeah. rightly or wrongly, TV is where the money is because you're now... Obviously the Pro 14 has to catch up an awful lot to the TV deals in other sports, but even within rugby in England and France. Mm-hmm. But you're in a position where your TV deal is as important as people coming to the turnstiles, yeah. really, in other sports, not yet in rugby. But that's the way that it's going. If you're looking at it purely from, I suppose, the product on offer rather than the long-term benefits or drawbacks, like the fact that every game's going to be on TV, if you're a Pro 14 rugby fan, then the cost of like a pint and a cappuccino a month to be able to watch every game from the league, 152 or whatever it is, is obviously a good thing. Plus, the, plus highlights, you know plus got a preview show, show you know you're getting fired and it's disgusting. The Premier Sports baseball caps you guys are wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the t-shirts on the mugs. Nice. But there is obviously that argument because test cricket is the template of it, of the fact that people just don't know test cricketers in the way that they used to. And therefore, they don't grow up wanting to be Andrew Flintoff because they don't know who the current version of Andrew Flintoff is because yeah. they can't see it. I always forget that his name isn't actually Fred. <laughs> yeah. 
but there you go. Um, uh, now, Martin McGeown, oh, he was asking about the CEO. Should have given him a little shout out earlier when we discussed that. Sorry, Martin, but there you go. Uh, Boise wants to ask about our lack of recruitment, in his words. Uh, Addison Burns and Spate, he says, are short term fixes. Uh, there, aren't, uh, there isn't enough depth to replace the outgoings from last season. Um, and says that Ulster are just a few injuries away from having, having an academy back division. Mm-hmm. Adam, shaking, Adam, you're shaking your head. You don't get long-term fixes from the transfer market. You get long-term fixes from revamping your academy and doing what Leinster have had because you're not going to, with the exception of William Pienaar, you're not going to get imports that are here for a decade. Um, tell, be, tell me who the last Ulster fix. player to be signed from another team who stayed here for more than six years was. Because that's taking out Pienaar, Wannenberg and Muller. Who's the last player Ulster signed who has stayed more than six years? How long has Mike McGoo out there? Um, two weeks. Well, two right. weeks, yes. <laughs> Not him. Then the hay fever kicked in and uh, <laughs> the pack it in. <laughs> see, you're, you're absolutely right. The players who are going to be with Ulster for 15 years will come up through the academy or will be signed very, very young. Was this a rhetorical question? Do you not know the answer? No, I don't, I don't know the oh, answer. Oh, for goodness sake, oh, I was really I looking forward to that. I was waiting for that, but... Uh, Tune in no, next week, guys, for the I answer. Mean, <laughs> no, I mean, look... Get on Wikipedia there quickly. Ulster's squad at the moment, the only players who have been there more than six years have all been homegrown players. That's bottom line. Like, so, so whenever, whenever part you're... Of saying, that's, part of that sort of cribbing thing as well, because you're not theoretically meant to renew NIQ contracts. Well, yeah. So, you know, but that's the position that you're in. And, like, we touched on this before when we talked about Cipriani compared to Burns and who you'd rather have and why you end up with Burns rather than Cipriani. But, like, if you look at the other players that have moved into the Pro 14 this year, that would be my only question of which of them would you realistically sign? Like, DTH Vandermerva was going to go back Scotland where he's more comfortable Barkley the same going to go back to Scotland Tag Burns won Joe Tamani is another Joe Tamani approached Leinster rather than being approached so he, that was where he wanted to go Burn, you could make a definite argument would have been a huge success at Ulster George North Scott Williams Cassium you know these are all guys that were going to somewhere else for a reason they weren't going to come here and it's our arguable whether it would have been the best use of Ulster's resources like for me Ulster need a loose head and a lock and there isn't really any loose head or lock that's moved this year possibly with the exception of Franco Mostart that you would have looked at and said that's exactly who Ulster should have been signing you can make the argument about Sopoaga um, as a 10 but that was obviously a number of months ago that he signed for Wasps you know some guys, iOS, Jean-Marc Dusson, Volavolu, Finn Russell have all moved to France as a 10, but they're getting a lot more money. Like, I think if you're going to talk about Ulster's recruitment, then you have to frame it in the who else could they have got or who else would you want them to get them moved. And we're going to see a lot more movement post-World Cup than we are pre-World Cup because that's yeah. just the way mm-hmm. the transfer cycle works. Well, I, I still think Ulster are doing the right thing by reducing their squad size and putting more focus on bringing up the yeah. young guys. 
Well, finally then, um, because uh, kickoff is approaching in your football match Correct. tonight, and the manager will not be happy with us. Uh, just tell us a little bit about Mike McGoldrick. Then he's de- your most popular character. I would say, well, least popular in my house because I used to do a voice too much, and then Anna <laughs> threatened to leave me unless I stopped doing it. So, right. uh, but other than that, your most popular um, and a big connection to Sir Rugby. So, just tell us a little bit about him. It came about because I. Um when I was 15 or 16, my first job was a dishwasher in Coltrow Yacht Club, Royal North Yacht Club. So you used to meet these sort of eccentric, larger-than-life characters. And even though I went to Campbell, Campbell's probably considered like a very middle-class school. Like, that's not my my background at all. But So going to work there was the first time I'd met these, like, millionaire-type people who uh, got drunk and talked so loud like that. You know what I mean? I never heard people talk that loud. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and, and the, the accents and the voices that they had were totally new to me. So whenever I was doing stand-up and then later thinking about, you know, doing a, a character for a sketch or something like that, that just came back back to me. I was drinking in Ned's in Hollywood. I don't know if you've ever been to the Maypole, uh, Ned's Bar in Hollywood. But um, we were sitting there talking about those sort of guys and, and then I was sitting with, say, four or five friends and we start, I started to say, like, I wonder what, how he would dress and what he would look like and... It just all came together then. Um, I think about a week after that, I filmed the first one and just put it up there, like not really expecting anything. Maybe what was the first one? The first one was Matt Moore, just knows rugby. So it was like oh, more yeah, of an introduction yeah. one. And um, I thought that it would just be a one-off. I would just do this character and then move on to something else. And then uh, started to do like rel- relatively well for being like something in Northern Ireland. You know, it's hi- obviously like hyper Northern Irish humour. You know, it's and, and even at that, you're not going to get it you know, if you live in yeah. different places, you know what I mean? It's kind of like Belfast, Hollywood, North Down, that, those sort of areas where, where it sort of clicks with people. Um, and I, I, I don't know, it just started to do really well. I'd say that dinner I did for those Ulster rugby players really, really helped it and helped everything else after that. So it sort of, it sort of got more interest in me as a performer in general. People started looking at other stuff I'd been doing and, and I honestly think without that things that I'm doing now probably wouldn't happen as quick I like to think they still would have happened but it might have been further on down the line so this sort of accelerated everything and um, yeah I, I used to do a lot more obviously with the character but the first ideas you have are usually the best ideas and I, I, I wouldn't want to I could fire something out every week but you wouldn't want to make people sick of it I'd be yeah. sick of it and uh, even if you look at the, the most recent video I don't even know when that was but compared to the first one the characters really changed. Yeah, you sort of I didn't have to. Because I watched the rugby one yesterday. You sort of have to. Like the voice changes, really changed everything. Um, and that's kind of as I change, that character changes. But um, I don't know. I always think about what some people started doing is if they have like a Facebook page for them as a comedian, and then maybe some characters have their own pages. What people started doing is merge their pages. You can do that on Facebook, and so they sort of incorporate that into their just their own act, you know, yeah. their their own name. And I was going to do that, but then again, I really like the idea of just putting a random status up every like three or four months <laughs> when it, you know just like looking down the nose at something or whenever something happens just posting like a you know very middle class post or response to it or even a picture so I don't think I'll ever do that I think it'll always be there and listen if I if I do one video a year as a character I'll, that's just what it'll be and if it's more so Mike's staying he's not going to go anywhere no I was going to I was going to bin it about two three years ago and then I just thought what would be the point because I'll, I'll do it and I'll say that and then a week later I'll have a great <laughs> idea <laughs> yeah. but it's sort of like I interviewed all the people I wanted to interview which which was great 
Um, and then after that, sort of once I did the Rory McIlroy interview, I thought, where do you really, where do you take it? <laughs> then once you've got someone like that, then where do you, yeah. where do you take it? What do you do with it? So you come on the Ulster Rugby Roundup. I yeah. hadn't thought about it at the yeah, time. No. Um, so I don't know. I keep doing stuff with it, but it'll be maybe less frequent. Yeah. So what does the immediate future hold for for you then, or what's well maybe on the immediate future? Like what what's the it's what's the football tonight? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, football tonight. In like fifteen minutes, chips on the way home or something. Uh, <laughs> I've got a um, Amazon Prime special coming out. Oh yeah, I saw that earlier. What, yeah. What's that about? It's just my show from the Ulster Hall live last year. Okay. So that comes out in the next couple of weeks, which will be great because that you know goes all around the world, and I don't know how many people see it, um, but it's nice that it's just kind of there. And what do you think about that as like a medium? The way because um, it seems to be an awful lot more comedians doing the like Netflix specials, like it's the Neil Brown and stuff. It's is, too much. Yeah, there's like, too much of it. I'm saying that as a, as a comedian, as someone who would kill to have a Netflix special, yet I disagree with the amount that's up there. Um, I think it should, no pun intended, but it's less special when there's so many of them. Mm. You know, and I get that comedy tastes are so personal and different from person to person. Um, you know, I might think this comedian's amazing. You watch and you're like, that is not what I like at all. You might like someone else. So you're sort of, you want to cater for people and you want to have those established comedians up there, but also show new comedians and, and their act. But I don't know, there's just so much of it that I think it would be it'd be good to slow down on that and have less and less stuff up there. But yeah, I'd love to I'd love to have something like on Netflix in the next couple of years. I've been, I've been I've applied for my visa to go to America. Not go, but to be able to have the option of going there. Yeah. Because I've been over a couple of times in the last few years and there's a huge gap. For Irish like stand up there like people love yeah. the accent, yeah. um, but there's nobody doing it. There's no one doing it, um, so I'd love to go over there a little bit more. I'm definitely settled here, but to get married here, I always want to be based here. But I think I'd like to travel a, a lot more. And my actual stand up, like in that Ulster Hall show, if you get a chance to see it, it there is some Northern Irish stuff in it, but uh, but in general, I try and make it my stand up anyway more universal. So I want it to be hopefully as funny in Belfast as it is in Germany or Chicago or just wherever yeah. so um, I think in the next year the plan will be to, to see what I can maybe do over there and some TV stuff would, would, would be cool as well nothing's really happened there but um, done bits and pieces but it'd be good to have something yeah. um, so I don't know I, I'm not someone who like plans things out too much you know I wouldn't say like in five years I want to have done this or that yeah because you can't, it's such a unpredictable industry, you know, even to, I can't predict the next week, never mind the next year, so um, I just definitely just see how it goes, and as if, if I think I'm improving, and I always want to like learn and stuff, as long as I'm doing that, then I'm, I'll be happy. Sweet, well I think that's pretty much it, for our first podcast back of the new season, so. I have some good news to finish. Uh-huh. There's an Anders in Clannathalie. Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm going along on that trip. Excellent. <laughs> so we'll have a group trip to Clannathalie later on in the season. Before that, please do Never keep... Never let anyone <laughs> tell you it's not glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> please do keep listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, isn't that right? Uh, and <laughs> final it's chance for... you remember where our... Uh, like it's, been two, it's been two months. I have absolutely no idea. Final chance for a plug for yourself? Yeah, the Shane Todd cast on SoundCloud and iTunes should be out every Monday not this week I'm going home to record it before my match put up today um, but yeah it's on iTunes as well and then the tour tickets for the tour are on shine.net and I'm doing like 25 dates or something so 
I'm kind of everywhere. Superb. Whether, whether people want me to be or not, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> We've got you covered then for Ulster's top two favourite podcasts. You can order them yourself, but from Adam McCann. Cheers, guys. From Jonathan Bradley. Cheers, thanks so much. From our special guest, Shane Todd. Thank you. And myself, Gareth Hanna. Thanks for listening.